Welcome to Pastoring Out Loud. This is the podcast from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Learn more about our church at southcities.church. When I think about the alphabet soup that once upon a time I had to throw in at the introduction with all the various things, and now I consider how short it is, I rejoice. Speaking of short, the letter to Smyrna. Yes, Daniel. Thank you. The letter to Smyrna. Is the shortest short speaking of this set. <laughs> the letter <laughs> to the church at Smyrna is the shortest, right, Dave? It's the shortest of the seven letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so we're continuing our series where we're just talking about positively what kind of attributes should a church have? What can we learn from the seven churches? Not trying to be so exegetical, but a little bit more applicable, thinking about us as a church. So uh, to the church in Smyrna, we're in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. I'll just read it, the four verses here. And to the angel in the church in Smyrna, write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Hmm. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, The devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Mm. So churches that are faithful should see suffering should all churches expect suffering? Should all churches look to in like like invite suffering? Like how should churches think about the idea of, hey, we're gonna suffer as a church, or individuals within us are gonna suffer? Well, do you think that this is talking about like an expectation or just a like an inevitability? Like I you mean like an instance of suffering versus... Or just like when it comes, because we live in a fallen world, make sure that you, you know, persevere. So it's not saying... Like, I, what I'm thinking is like you don't want to get, get into thinking like, oh, are we suffering enough? Are we a true church? Or do you? I don't know. That's open, what Daniel asked. Open I know. That's, that's what I'm asking. Like, is that it? You're or is it just like... With a question. Or is it just more like when suffering comes in this fallen world... Embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you guys think, Dave and Stacy? I mean, here it seems to be just him preparing them for real suffering that's coming. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you'll have tribulation. So it seems like he's preparing them. Yeah. it also, I mean, from the context, seems like there's been ongoing tribulation. I know your tribulation and your poverty at the hands of these Jews who are really a synagogue of Satan. So there's, there's an ongoing um, angst and persecution, I think, that happens. And it's going to... There's going to be an intensifying of it here. He's preparing them for and reminding them of who they are and why they ought to be faithful. So yeah, I don't. I don't think the church is meant to 
go out looking for suffering. I mean, I'm just thinking of places where to pray for our leaders so that we could live quiet and peaceful lives. I mean, there's, there's just places like that. I don't think that we're running around asking to be persecuted, but it, it will come in bigger and smaller ways. And when it does, this is this kind of promise and this kind of reality is how we endure. What do you think, Stacey? I agree. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't I mean, agree? I, I, no. I agree with what Dave just said that, we're going to suffer. Like there is that reality of living in a fallen world. And then it seemed like they were about to suffer more, you know, from how it was written. So, um, yeah, just the comfort that we don't have to be afraid, Mm -hmm. um, when that comes. And I don't know, even outside of this passage, like if we are united to Christ, like he suffered and then was glorified. And that's what our path is to in life is that we are, going to yeah. follow in the footsteps of our should expect it. Yeah. yeah. And I even think that's why to Stacy's point, I think that's why verse eight says what it does. The words of the first and the last who died. Right. And came to life. Mm. Be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. I think it's exactly talking about our union with Christ yeah. and his suffering and resurrection. So I think that's yeah. exactly right. I think the key question I have when I think about the church of Smyrna, when I think about just my own life is, does my faith in Christ cost me anything? Mm. And if it doesn't, I think in general, the book of Revelation just pointedly says, well, why is that? Why, why doesn't it cost you anything relationally, whatever Lee, you know, whatever you want to put on that mm-hmm. to say like, hey, um, I love Jesus but nobody like is affected by that in my life. Am I being too quiet in my witness? And I think it's, a, it's really interesting to see that the two churches that suffer the most in out of the seven, Philadelphia and Smyrna, they are the ones suffering the most persecution. Like they're faithful and their faithfulness has apparently invited persecution. And all the ones that are like compromised, like Laodicea, others, are not being persecuted. Or maybe they've been persecuted in the past and that's led them to compromise because they just don't want to keep suffering it. I think that might, be a, that might be an implication of Pergamum. Why are they tolerating compromise while Antipas got killed? Like that could be an implication. So I think that's just like for any church, like, hey, does our witness for Jesus cost us anything? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, let's go find suffering, but more like, let's graduate from whatever, let, I mean, honestly, to think of it like a graduation, like if suffering comes, Jesus said, rejoice, for so the prophets were persecuted before you. So I think there is a way in which like, we should ask, like, what does it cost us? What does it cost us in our workplaces? What does it cost us at our schools? What does it cost us in our neighborhoods? Um, and again, if it doesn't cost us anything, well, how, how actually um, bulletproof or how actually <coughs> faithful is our faith? It's just a question. May I follow up on that little tirade? So are you saying that the more faithful someone is, the more they should expect to suffer? Some, yes. Like the opposite of prosperity gospel? 
Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and specifically suffer related to persecution yeah. or some cost for the name of Jesus. Yeah. I, think that is a, I think that's a helpful question to ask. And yeah, suffering. And it's not, and it's not, it's not an ultimate question. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, you could be really faithful in sharing the gospel and just nothing has been cost yet. And that's, like, I don't think you have to go looking for it, but I think it's good to say, are we so about the name of Jesus that there's some that know us that that maybe they don't like that, right? Well, and like you like to say, Dave, and I hear you say in worship, Nick, like, you know, we can do what we're doing and taking right risk because ultimately nothing is up for grabs. Mm-hmm. That's this. Yeah. I mean, if Jesus already plowed through death and he offers life, then whatever suffering we endure mm. on the way even towards death is not final. Mm. Whereas the inverse is true. Like, and indeed, the second death, the one, you know, then the, the lake of fire in chapter 20, mm-hmm. um, you know, is far more infinitely worse. So to say I will compromise now to avoid the frowns or even the overt persecution of whoever, but then um, I will suffer the wrath of the lamb mm-hmm. is far worse, far, far worse. So suffering and a church that embraces suffering or sees suffering as the norm, especially in regards to ostracization, you know, uh, maybe overt persecution, at very least like, you know, a cultural sort of frown, that should just be expected. Mm-hmm. And if it's not expected or if that like really throws us off, maybe we just haven't been listening to Jesus or to the book of Revelation very much. Any other follow-ups on the church in Smyrna, the idea of suffering and a church embracing suffering? I'll leave a synagogue of Satan to you, Dave, when we get there and uh, all that that means. Do you, uh, Dave, you want to read the letter to the church of Pergamum? Sure. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword... I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So uh, the Church of Pergamum needed to embrace truth, almost the inverse of uh, Ephesus, almost, not exactly, but like Ephesus... Uh, new truth, but have lost that loving feeling. You don't need to auto-tune that one. Um, but in this case, the church at Pergamum had compromised truth. Uh, even though they, so it says, they held fast to my name, didn't deny my faith even in the days where, uh, you know, Antipas was killed. But they're like tolerating within the church this kind of 
well, whether it's idolatry or actual sexual immorality, which in Roman culture was very similar to each other. Um, what do we think about that? What do we think about a church that needs to embrace truth and at least here pictured as like there's some in the church that need to embrace truth, even though it appears like there are some others that have. Is it right for us to say like <clears throat> not only as individuals we should embrace truth, but we should be ambitious for our local church to embrace truth as a whole? Do you think that's an appropriate ambition for each individual to have? Yes. So how do we go about... <laughs> so so I'm just a, a member at South City's Church. How do I go about addressing compromise when there's real compromise in the church in a way that doesn't also compromise love? Do you mean real compromise in a specific local church or in, yes, in church a church in, in a specific general. Hypothetically, in a specific <clears throat> local church, yeah. like like the case was here in Pergamum, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, since we're congregational, we believe that the congregation members exercise the keys of the kingdom, right? So there are prescribed ways, like Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians 5, where we go about addressing sin, you know, among us. Um, and I mean, that would be a, my first thought. Do you think then that in this case, real, real question that like what needed to happen was here's two groups, a faithful group, yeah, an unfaithful group where either the unfaithful group needs to repent or they need to get disciplined out of the church. Yeah. Is that basically? Yeah. Okay. So not so much. I take upon it. It's my own job. I see this behavior over there in another person and I'm going to go talk to them. Well, that's, but that's part of the process. Possibly. Like in Matthew 18. Yep. One you on go one. and you talk to them one-on-one. Yep. You see, Hey, what are you doing? You know? But when I've actually experienced that behavior, not hearsay or whatever else, but. Well, well what is, what is super interesting that you're bringing out is that he's talking to the church. Yeah. Not individuals. The whole church and he, he says, he, he commends them all for their faithfulness. And then he says, but I have a few things against you, church. Yeah, wholesome. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who right. taught Balak to put a stumbling block. So I, I do think it's a corporate call yeah. that would be similar to, you know, you know, like, don't let this leaven spread among you right. kind of call in Second Corinthians. It's saying you're you're for some for some reason to me what feels like it's going on here is that there's a a tolerance within the church. You yeah. know, Second Corinthians five we see like a tolerance and a almost a celebration of immorality. First Corinthians five. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the yes, yeah, yeah. First Corinthians five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steps and so yeah, just it seems like something like that is going on here. Like the, this is not hidden. It's not one or two people. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a big deal and people know about it and they're letting it go on. So yeah, at that point, I think it is this, this can't stay in the church. Right. And, and what the way Paul talks about that in first Corinthians five and, and I, I, it almost feels more first Corinthians five than Matthew 18 to me because it's like, it seems big and public and yeah. obvious and tolerated. Yeah. So he's just, I think Paul would say, get it out of there, whatever. That looks like, and I think it does look like probably 
church discipline in the hopes of repentance, right? In the hopes of that they'd return. Yeah. Right, totally. And I'm just saying that's that's like as a congregation member. Yeah, which is the that's, context in which I asked. Yeah. That's the context. That's like the mechanism for doing it, right? And hopefully there are leaders over this church who received this letter. We don't know anything about the outcome yep. of this in Pergamum, mm-hmm. but they see it as their responsibility to help mm-hmm. lead the congregation yeah. in an appropriate direction and disciplining whoever Balaam is or whatever. Um, you know, this uh, uh, an individual who appears to stand in a pattern along with Balaam or mm-hmm. we're going to see in the, yeah. it the next letter and Jezebel, um, you know, these this pattern in the Old Testament of apostates that or whether within the covenant community Jezebel sort of was, but not exactly. She married, you know, Ahab, um, or outside the covenant community, Balaam, who's, uh, you know, trying to figure out with the Midianites how to curse the Israelites. Um, these are patterns that apparently have instances in these churches. And so we should always be on the lookout for false teaching, especially rising up from within us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, the, I feel like you guys have been talking about it as behaviors and but then now you're saying false teaching and I mean, they yeah. go together for sure. I feel like mm-hmm. it's referencing both of those things mm-hmm. here. Um, but I was just thinking of like, it starts with having a knowledge of the truth from the word ourselves, right. you know, individually and corporately mm-hmm. so that we know mm-hmm. and can discern when there's false teaching yep. to yep. correct. Yeah. I, I think, and I think you even said in the sermon last week about the church to Ephesus where there's a, positive commendation for how they spot these things kind of the opposite of this group yep you know i think i said you know how so how do we do this i said like know your bibles you know memorize your bibles be good bereans that test you know what the elders teach you know that's kids memorize (laughs) your verses and listen in sunday school Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it is a i think stacy's right that it is a a corporate uh, effort of love to know the word of God that we would be a place that can do this well Amen. might it be Lord help us as a church embrace suffering rightly and embrace the truth and all that that means thanks guys thanks